Zatoya Clark. My name is Armani Stewart. I'm Taryn Robinson. My name is Paige Hollywood, and we'll be analyzing the <laughs> the dystopian elements in the movie Stepford Wives and how the how those elements connect to real life. <laughs> Stepford Wives is a movie about the lives of powerful women changing into submissive perfect wives. There are two versions of the movie, one made in 1975 and the other was made in 2004. The second is a remake that takes a much lighter approach compared to the one from 75 that is much more of a horror and thriller film. It is interesting that the first film is considered a horror film while the other is seen as a comedy. The first film works well as something so dark because horror films are successful by using what society actually fears. 30 years ago, the opening with a woman as a big executive would seem very unrealistic. During this time, society would be worried about the terrible effects the women's movement would have. For example, many believed that men would never be able to deal with such a large threat to their powerful roles and would react in extreme ways to avoid change. Therefore, the movie brings people's worst fears to life on the big screen. Yet, 30 years into the future, a woman with power is totally normal, which is why it works as a comedy. Comedy works because it takes what we know or what we think we know and traumatizes it. Armani, what do you think about the film? So I had seen this film a plethora of times before, but many of the concepts and themes had gone completely over my head. Needless to say, this film displays explicit portrayals of binary gender roles, toxic masculinity, and anti-feminism. Suffer Wise begins with main character Joanna Eberhardt displaying a preview of one of her new game shows, Battle of the Sexes. This shows that Joanna produces portraying strong women dominating men as unconventional women, defining herself and making her own decisions as a boss. Sounds great, right? Well, that isn't so for the male-dominated corporation that Joanna is CEO of. She is fired due to her pro-feminist ideals and characteristics. We then find out that Joanna's husband fits the most conventional male role in her marriage. Joanna is arguably the dominant in the marriage, even making more money than her husband by holding the prestige title of CEO. Joanna's masculine nature dictates the decisions within a marriage. Upon Joanna's firing, she and her family moved to Stepford. The town seems like a traditional middle-class, all-American ideal society with explicit displays of Christian values and Republican affiliations. But the facade is undeniably apparent in the woman's behavior in this society. This is where the film enters the separation of spirits between men and women. The women of Stepford are the epitome of the conventional idea of what a woman should be, conforming to the cult of domesticity. For those who are not familiar with the term cult of domesticity, it refers to the 19th century definement of what a woman should be during the Victorian era. There was a separation of spirits between men and women where women were confined to the private domestic sphere of the house and the man dominated the public sphere. These women retained characteristics of domesticity, submissiveness, piety, and purity as epitomized in a woman of Stepford, whose daily activities are based on domestic and fragile work. For example, they have these workout sessions where all of the exercises are based off of household chores. Their book club meetings discuss only book clubs, only books, cookbooks, or books about how to properly be a good wife. One of Joanna's friends she meets there, Bobby, is initially a rebel as Joanna because of the chaotic mess in her home and political books she writes. During the Victorian period, 
a woman who asserted herself out of the compartmentalized cult of domesticity was labeled a fallen woman. There were institutions identified as penitentiaries for these fallen women, aiming to redeem the woman into the domestic complex. Instead for wives, Bobby undergoes this transition from a fallen woman to a woman redeemed and cleansed. After being turned into a Stepford, Bobby begins making cookbooks. Now, my unorthodox and unconventional views were immediately on high alert after seeing these women behave in such a manner. From an unbiased perspective, however, nothing is necessarily wrong with the woman's behavior because some women do in fact choose to live a life as this. For me personally, I would never choose such a life, but I digress. Now, the men's behavior by far is what annoys me the most in this film. Upon seeing their behavior, one can grasp that this ideal society is a utopia for men, but a dystopia for women. These men choose to convert women with prestige, high-paying job positions and titles to simple housewives because these men felt inferior and threatened by their wives. These strong, powerful women were compartmentalized into a domestic complex. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds like the ultimate dystopian society for any woman. Stafford is essentially a patriarchal society with undeniable toxic masculinity. The men of Stafford even have a boys club where they meet and discuss how they have turned their wives into domestic robots, displaying their macho toxicity. Side note, I know my diction is incredibly biased in regards to the men's behavior, but can you blame me? I mean, come on, domestic wife robots. Essentially, this society is full-out dystopian society. So, Taryn, what is your take on the film? What isn't my take on the film, man? Um, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said so far. Like, it definitely shows that the female voice has been stifled, and it definitely reiterates the beauty standards that exist, like, already in the world. The Stepford community seems to praise those standards that the Western Europeans said were valuable. Out of all the people that live in Stepford, which has to be, like, hundreds, if not thousands, there's only a handful of people of color less than five. I saw about two women in one man, maybe. They had conformed. The black women were just the same and had the exact same hairstyles, same clothes as the white women. They had no lines, they didn't speak. They were basically toxic, I mean, token black characters that pretty much were never encouraged to have their own free thinking minds. So it's really like a mirror of real life in that aspect. Um, as Armani was saying, like, the cult of domesticity, it's reinforced in this movie for sure. I do see, like, a dichotomy here that has to do with race, which I'm a little surprised she didn't talk about. Um, basically, we all know the characteristics of the cult. Black women couldn't just, like, be in the cult of domesticity because, like, we couldn't be pious because how can we love a God that's, like, being forced down our throats? We couldn't be submissive. Well, we had to be submissive because, you know, we were slaves. Um, We couldn't be, what's the other one? We couldn't be pure because, you know, rape. Slaves are definitely getting raped. And we couldn't be, um, well, we had to be domestic because, you know, we innately had that ability to take care of our own. Um, So, yeah, we couldn't really be in the cult, which is definitely reinforced by the separate community. If you think of the separate community as the cult of domesticity, then you can definitely see that, like, Black people were being left out, since there's only a couple of them present. Back to Kate, I think. 
Um, I'd say throughout the film, I thought it was interesting that men and women are always shown as separate and never on the same team. The desire for control comes from the religious and political views of the political views that the men value, which portray women as nothing more than property. The men in the film are very entitled. They think they are, in fact, doing the women a favor to benefit them instead of a disservice. They believe women need sanity by being home instead of in the workplace. The women in the film had all been lawyers, CEOs, or doctors. In this new community, they've been silenced and stripped of their titles and ultimately their senses of accomplishments. Instead of blaming the structure of the workplace for increase in divorce, crime, and family problems, they're just blamed on the women's desire to do more than raise a family. This can be constantly seen in the movie. For example, one of the men even explains to his wife that because she is driven and selfish, he needs to fix her. Victoria, what kind of social norms did you see in the film? Um, another example of social norms that I acknowledged in the movie was Joanna's friend, Roger Bannister, who was a gay man known for being um, a flamboyant politician. When it was time for Roger to run for being a representative, his husband changed him into a completely different person and he lost his style. The way he talked was completely different and this was all after he was invited to the man's den. Um, during his speech, he made Christianity a part of his slogan. And even though there are many different types of LGBTQ people in the movie, Rogers Chains spoke to how politicians are viewed and what is accepted by society when it comes to the LGBTQ community. This not only spoke to the discrimination against the LGBTQ community and them not being accepted as they are, but it also explained what is the standard of politicians, let alone what it means to be a man. Religion within America is supposedly accepted no matter what you practice, and the church and state are supposedly separated in American government, but Christianity is widely practiced and praised in this country. This is seen through how many politicians that practice Christianity are voted into office and include religion in their campaigns. Christianity is also put on a pedestal because Christian churches do not pay taxes in American society. And not once have we ever had a president that does not practice Christianity. Not to mention just recently, we um, got our first Muslim women voted into the office as congressmen in 2018. Even though American society does not restrict people from their religious practices, it is still obvious that American citizens put a certain religion on a pedestal, meaning that Christianity has constantly been admired by Americans since the beginning of time. Um, Taryn, what you think? Um, after the step for women were dismantled, they took back ownership of their bodies and their voices, which is similar to what's happening now and recently with the Me Too movement. Um, for those who aren't aware, the movement was started as a way for women that have been like sexually assaulted or abused to find solidarity among their peers and other women that had gone through similar experiences. And they all desired for their voices to be heard as they spoke out against their abusers, which is actually really similar to like the last scene in the movie where all of the women are pretty much transformed back into their regular human forms and they all start like attacking and yelling at their husbands. Um, not only does the Me Too movement relate to gender, but it also can relate to race because even though 
women are demanding for society to respect their bodies. It's known that the movement was started by a black woman, but it wasn't taken seriously until like a bunch of white um, women celebrities made the hashtag trend on Twitter. Tarana Burke um, actually started using the hashtag in 2006 on MySpace. The movement didn't become popular or recognized nationally until like Alyssa Milano, celebrities like that started using the hashtag. I actually found that information a couple of months ago, so it was more difficult to find, but now when you search for it, it's like the first or second option. So it's pretty interesting. They're doing a lot better on Google. Um, anyway, I think a lot of times white America has this idea of like black America being an accessory to what they're trying to do. And so we're always denied recognition. White America will literally take something they view negatively like box sprays that they say are dirty or something like that. And they'll like, take it for themselves and as soon as they take it for themselves they think it's the best thing ever and it's not like a huge stigmatized problem anymore um so yeah black people literally have to go through like all of the pain associated with those negative things that are negative for no reason and then just see white people flourish with them it's really sad so with the me too movement again black women were being denied their due recognition Um, Kate, do you have anything, like, final thoughts? Um, overall, I think gender norms, uh, they were really forced on the women, and they have a lot to do with them falling into submission in every way. Armani? Um, I think we are taught to be gentle, kind, and speak without fully expressing ourselves and really stay compartmentalized into this inferiority complex and support men, um, whether it's compromising ourselves or whatever we got to do to make sure uh, the man is happy. Um, Taryn, what do you think? Your closing remarks. Well, y'all know I'm all about race and race relations, but I definitely think this movie just shows a lot of, like, the work that we have to do to be able to recognize, like, not just, as cliche as it sounds, not just Black women, but all women, and be able to understand that we are a lot more similar, so we should be able to recognize everybody. Um, Tori, anything? Um... I just think that the film acknowledges women taking back their power and it really closely, closely relates to what we're doing now in society and it addresses issues that we were once too scared to even talk about. So it's a really great film and I'm glad that society has progressed to now live up to the same standard that a movie once created way back in the day.